Hello, this is Aaron. Thank you for tuning in to the Church Discussions Podcast. I hope you're blessed and well. If this is your first time tuning in, I want to say thank you so much for listening. This is a resource for growth in your understanding of the scriptures. I encourage you to follow the Instagram for more content and feel free to share this podcast with your family and friends. Today I'm going to be talking about the Trinity. This is a very vital doctrine that we should understand as Christians, very fundamental. Um, I've previously talked about the, the Son, Jesus Christ. I've talked about the Father, and I've talked about the Holy Spirit. So today I'm going to kind of sum up the three in the Godhead, and I'm going to explain the Trinity to you. So first off, I want to ask the question, what is the Trinity? It is the belief that God is one God in three co-eternal persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. These three are distinct, but of one essence or nature. So we believe He's one God in three persons. The Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Spirit is God. But they are not three gods, but only one God. The Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Spirit, the Spirit is not the Father, but each is God individually, and yet they are together the one true God of the Bible. We don't believe Jesus or the Holy Spirit are parts of God or pieces of God. Each of these three persons are 100% God. Yet there is only one God that we serve. It's a three-for-one deal. So again, what is the Trinity? The Trinity is the fact that God is three persons in one God. The Holy Spirit, Jesus, and the Father. Again, we don't serve three gods. There is not three gods or there is not more than one God. There is only one God. The belief of three gods would be considered tritheism, which means a belief in three gods. This belief is completely heresy. It's false. Or polytheism. This is a belief in many gods. Us as Christians, we only believe in one God. Our belief system lines up with monotheism, which is the belief that there is only one God. Now, a common question that I've heard in the past about the Trinity is, when we pray, are we supposed to pray to the Father, to the Son, or to the Holy Spirit? So I want to answer that question really quickly. First of all, I don't think it's wrong to pray to any one of them in the Godhead. But most of the time, I encourage people to pray based on how Scripture encourages us to pray. We are to pray to the Father in the name of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. So according to Matthew 6, uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, Jesus advises us to pray to the Father. If you're familiar with that Scripture, it's the Lord's Prayer. According to John chapter 14, verse 13, we are to pray in the name of Jesus, that means that we have access to the Father through Jesus because of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. We have access to the Father. And according to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, we are to pray in the Spirit or by the power of the Spirit. So once again, to answer the question, we are to pray to the Father in the name of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is how we are to pray. Now, another common question that people ask is, is the Trinity in the Bible? Now, a lot of times what people are asking when they ask this question, they're asking, is the word Trinity in the Bible? 
Now, as people who believe in the Trinity, there is a proper way to answer this. You see, the Trinity is implied all throughout Scripture. It's implicit. The word Trinity is not directly in Scripture, but the idea or the doctrine is definitely there. For example, let's take a look at a scripture, Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. It says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So this is Jesus speaking here, and he's given the Great Commission. This is a very important text that we should memorize, I believe, as Christians. This is the Great Commission. And I want you to notice three things. So Jesus says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of, there's three things that he mentions here, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, if you ask how many are in that passage, it's clear that there's three. It's implying that there is three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's clearly implied. Now, there are many passages of Scripture that don't make sense without the Trinity. It's the Trinity that helps us understand many passages of Scripture in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. So what I want to do is I want to take a look at some of those Old Testament passages. So what I want us to do is I want us to, to look at these passages and think about the Trinity as we read these passages. The first one I want to look at is Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. I'm reading the NASB and it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on earth so if you notice in that scripture god refers to himself in a plural sense i'll read the scripture again it says then god said let us make man in our image according to our likeness so he uses the word are three times. He repeatedly, repetitively explains that he is plural. Now, once again, just to remind you, God is not three gods. He's only one God. So in light of the Trinity, we understand that there was three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So this scripture reveals to us that God is three in one. In Genesis chapter 1, the very first sentence of the Bible, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the original word for God in the original language is Elohim. It's a Hebrew word that, we're, that is plural. So it refers to more than one. So the scriptures are clear that God is three in one. He's not three gods. He's only one God, but he's in three persons. Here's another example, Genesis chapter 3, verse 22. Then the Lord said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. You notice he says, one of us. And if you notice the beginning of that verse, he says, The Lord God said, the man has become like one of us. Who is the us that God is referring to? I believe it's clear. I believe it's implicit. I believe that the Lord is referring to the Godhead. He's referring to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let's take a look at another one, Genesis chapter 11, verse 7. This is the story of the Tower of Babel. It says, come, let us go down and there and confuse their language so that they will not understand one another's speech. Once again, the beginning of that verse says, come, let us go down and confuse their language. God refers to himself as an us, once again. 
So again, there's three persons, but there's one God. Now there's another scripture that I want to I want to point out. It's in Deuteronomy chapter six, verse four. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. So as I mentioned a little while ago, God we we, we align with the monotheistic belief, the fact that there is one God, there's one Lord. So I'll read that scripture again. It's Deuteronomy chapter six, verse four. And again, I encourage you, I always encourage you to take some notes, to write down the scriptures, to research them for yourself, to study them. And then if you want to message me any questions about anything that I've talked about, feel free to do so. I really encourage that. Deuteronomy chapter six, verse four. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. The scriptures referred to as the Shema. It was it was prayed by the Jewish people every single morning and every single night. Within the Jewish religion, they were required to pray this every single morning and every single night. So there's an emphasis in the Old Testament on the fact that God is one. Now, I want to make this statement, but this the statement I want to make is if somebody does not believe in the Trinity, I would I would not consider them a Christian. The Trinity is implicit all throughout Scripture. If we don't believe in the Trinity, then we diminish, we diminish Jesus and his natures. We diminish the Holy Spirit. We take away from the gospel. So I believe that we should understand the Trinity. If we understand the Trinity, we'll understand the gospel more clearly. We'll understand Jesus more clearly. So I want to mention that there are many people out there who don't believe in the Trinity. Jehovah Witnesses don't believe in the Trinity. Uh, Mormons don't believe in the Trinity. I would not consider these religions Christian. I know that if you've had a, had a discussion with a Jehovah Witness or a Mormon, they would consider themselves Christian, but they don't line up with sound doctrine. They contradict the very scriptures that we believe. There are also oneness Pentecostals, if you've heard of those. They, only, they, they, they don't believe in the Trinity as well. So us as Christians, we believe the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit coexist eternally. That means all persons of the Trinity have existed and they've always existed. So once again, there are oneness Pentecostals, there are Jehovah Witnesses, there are Mormons. Uh, many of these, they don't believe in the Trinity. I would technically call these cults or non-Christian religions. They fall within heresy. You know, there's also another belief called modalism. Modalism. This is a belief that states that God is a single person. And throughout history, he has revealed himself in three different modes or forms that God changes forms. They believe that God is a single person who manifested himself in the mode of the Father in the Old Testament. Then at the incarnation, he changes forms and becomes Jesus. And then after that, he he changes forms or changes modes and becomes the Holy Spirit. This belief is false as well. This diminishes the, the Trinity. This contradicts the Trinity. Us as Christians, we should not believe this. You know, we should always be careful who we listen to. Anyone who teaches this type of doctrine, we should always be on guard against people who teach about, about this. I'll be honest with you, there are popular preachers that believe this false belief. I know that T.D. Jakes in the past, he's affirmed this belief, this belief of oneness Pentecostalism. 
this belief that the Trinity doesn't exist. Um, there are other famous and popular pastors out there that that affirm this doctrine. So I just want to I want us to understand that this is not something that we should believe in. It's not biblical. So let's go ahead and move along here. There are four affirmations that I want to bring up when it comes to the Trinity. These are four essentials that I think are important for us to understand. The first thing is there is only one God. He is the only true and living God. The second thing is this one God eternally exists in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The third thing is these three persons are completely equal with the same divine nature. And the fourth thing is while each person is fully and completely God, each person of the Godhead is unique. Okay. Now, most people don't deny the Father is God, but there are people who deny Jesus is God. And I've spent a whole episode previously teaching on how Jesus is God and teaching about the Holy Spirit. So this is kind of the episode that sums up everything. I, I don't want to go too much in detail on how Jesus is God. I quickly want to kind of, uh, you know, talk about a few scriptures that affirm this, but I don't want to go too in detail because I've already spent a lot of time in previous episodes. So really quickly, let's look at just a few verses here that affirm that Jesus is God. John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This is talking about Jesus. It clearly states that Jesus is God, that he's eternal. John chapter 1, verse 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. So based on John chapter 1, we know that Jesus is the Word. And John chapter 1 verse 1 states that the Word was God and the Word was with God. So we know that Jesus is God. Titus chapter 2 verse 13, it says, Looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Titus chapter 2 verse 13 clearly states that Jesus Christ is the great God and Savior. Another scripture which I've taught on in a previous episode is Colossians chapter 2, verse 9. It says, For in him, talking about Jesus, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. I'll read that verse one more time. It's Colossians chapter 2, verse 9. It says, For in him, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. That scripture is making it clear that Jesus is God. That his nature is divine. That word deity simply means divine. It means that, that Jesus is God. The fullness of, he is God in his fullness. That's what that scripture is saying. Here's more scriptures that talk about Jesus as the creator. John chapter 1 verse 3 says, All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. That scripture makes it clear that Jesus is the creator of all things. Now, it's obvious that only God who create, only God is the one who creates everything. Here's another scripture, Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. It says, For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. 
talking about Jesus. It makes it clear that Jesus is the creator of all things and everything exists, exists for his glory. Now that I've mentioned Jesus, I've, you know, again, I've mentioned this already in a previous episode. Let's move on to the Holy Spirit now. We affirm that the Holy Spirit is God. Acts chapter 5, verse 3 and 4. This is a familiar familiar story. It, it talks about the early church and how many people, what they do, what they did at this time is they, they donated um, finances to the church leaders. They would sell property and possessions and they would give to the church leaders. And the story is about Ananias. He was a, a guy who actually kept back some of the finances, some of the money for himself. I'll go ahead and read it. It's Acts chapter 5, verses 3 and 4. It says, But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back some of the price of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not under your control? Why is it that you have conceived this in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. The thing I want to point out here in the scripture is Peter tells Ananias, you lied to the Holy Spirit. Then at the very end of verse four, he says, you have not lied to man, but you have lied to God. So Jesus is making it clear that the Holy Spirit is God. You see, Ananias kept back part of the money for himself. The scripture says he lied to the Holy Spirit. Then in the next verse, he says, Peter says that he didn't lie to man, but he lied to God. There's another scripture that affirms that the Holy Spirit is the agent in creation. He is the creator. Genesis chapter 1 verses 1 and 2, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of, of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Now, again, this reveals that the Holy Spirit was there creating the earth. Now, if you recall in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26, I read it earlier. I'm going to read it again. It says, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. So I believe that there in verse 2 of Genesis chapter 1, God is talking about the Father. He's talking about the Son, and he's talking about the Holy Spirit. Now, this leads me to my final portion of this teaching. I was hoping this teaching wouldn't be very long. But I want to go ahead and just explain a passage of scripture in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. I'm not going to spend a lot of time explaining and expounding in detail this passage of scripture. I quickly want to kind of read it and skim over it. I believe that this passage is very, it, it's very important for us to understand the Trinity. It's a very Trinitarian passage of scripture. Now, before I read it, I want to mention all three of the persons of the Trinity work together to accomplish the plan of redemption. As I mentioned earlier in this episode, the three persons of the Godhead, they work together. They are unique. So each of them has a different role and they all work together to accomplish redemption. So let's go ahead and read Ephesians chapter 1 verses 3 through 14. I'm reading the NASB. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, 
that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, with which he favored us in the beloved. Verse 7, in him we have redemption through the blood, through his blood, the forgiveness of our wrongdoings, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us. In all wisdom and insight, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he set forth in him regarding his plan of the fullness of the times to bring all things together in Christ, things in the heavens and things on earth. In him, we also have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things in accordance with with the plan of his will to the end that we who were the first to hope in the Christ would be the praise of his glory. Verse 13, in him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of the promise, who is a first installment of our inheritance in regard to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. Now, once again, I'm not going to spend too much time expounding on this passage. There is a lot here in this passage of scripture. We could probably spend a whole hour or two going verse by verse in the scriptures. But I want to point out just a few things here that really illuminate the work of the Godhead. So first of all, let me mention verses three through six describes the father's role, the father's love and how the father works in salvation. Verses seven through 12 talks about the son, Jesus Christ. And then verses 13 and 14 kind of focus on the Holy Spirit. Now, each person of the Godhead is kind of interconnected. They kind of intertwine here in this passage of scripture. I think it was Tim Keller who referred to this as the dance of the Trinity. So once again, in verse three, it says the father has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. So the very first verse there, it talks about the father. In verse four, it says the father chose us before the foundation of the world. That means before the world existed, God already chose his people. Then in verses five and six, it says the father predestines us for the pleasure of his will and for the praise of his glory and grace. Now, what does the Son do? In verse 7, it says that we have redemption and forgiveness through the Son, which is Jesus Christ. In verse 8, it says he lavished grace on us. So that's what the Son does. He gives us redemption. He pays the price for our sin. He redeems us and he lavishes grace upon us. Then verses 13 and 14, it says, Having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of the promise who is a first installment of our inheritance in regard to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of his glory. So the Holy Spirit seals us. We are sealed by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit helps us in our sanctification. He sanctifies us. He helps us. He leads us. He grows us. He develops us. So you can see the work 
of the three persons of the Godhead here in this passage of Scripture, I encourage you to go back and take some time to study Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. It really gives us a good understanding of the Trinity. And as you go back and as you reread this passage, you'll see the phrase in him repeated, repeated throughout the passage of Scripture talking about Jesus Christ. For he is the, the mediator. He is the one who, who, who helps us. He is the one who mediates us between us and the Father. So again, the Father chooses us before the foundation of the world. He sends the Son, Jesus. That's the Father's work. The Son, he lives a perfect life. He dies and he resurrects. He does the work. And the Holy Spirit, he applies the work of the cross to God's people. And he illuminates the work of the cross and the word and regenerates God's people. So that's how the three persons of the Trinity work together to accomplish redemption in God's plan. Now, eventually I want to do a an episode on the covenants, which we'll go back and revisit the covenant of redemption, which is kind of what I've talked about a little bit. But hopefully in an upcoming episode, we'll, we'll go more in detail on the covenants and you'll have a better understanding of that. The covenants are what help us kind of understand the overall story of the Bible from beginning to end. So we'll get more in detail on that. But I hope this was a blessing to you. This was just kind of a quick overview of the Trinity. I did not want to spend an hour or two hours teaching on the Trinity. I, I try to keep these episodes to just about 25 to 30 minutes or 35 minutes. So if you have any questions about the Trinity, send me a message. This was very, I guess, considered surface level. So again, I thank you so much for listening to this episode. I really want to ask that you would repost uh, the episode on Instagram, reshare it. Uh, if you would leave a review on Apple Podcasts, rate it. And once again, I thank you so much for listening. I thank you so much for, for following the Instagram. And God bless you.